0: Hello everybody. I'm Michael Rock and I'm Brendan Gons and welcome Ball Stars one and all to another episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast.
1: Yeah, we are super excited about this week. We have a lot of exciting sports to get into and we are going to jump right on into things and we start as we do most weeks with world football. The Premier League is in the middle of a pretty crazy Just total jumbling of the standings, it seems. I mean, it's so hard to get a finger on the pulse of all these clubs. Teams are dominant one week and then stale the next. It seems like, other than one team, nobody can get into any solid form. And that one team we are talking about is Manchester City, who rattle off yet another victory
0: against West Ham this week. And West Ham's probably the second hottest team in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty crazy that Manchester City just continues to roll in the manner that they have been. I mean, their winning run is now to 20 games, which is insane. 20 straight victories for a Premier League side with how competitive this league is, with how much talent there is all up and down the table. It's impressive. Now, that is in all comps. It's not just Mm -hmm. in the Premier League. But that almost is more impressive considering they're playing in the Champions League. The FA Cup and domestic cups in general are no snooze fest. I mean, those are highly competitive matches.
0: And this whole schedule's been tightly contested. I mean, every every week is counted.
1: Yeah, so a huge victory for them. They extend their lead at the top of the table to 12 points over the second-place Crosstown rivals, Manchester United, which, speaking of... They had a pretty uneventful game this past weekend themselves. Manchester United faced off against my team, Chelsea. And it was just a pretty boring match. I mean, we didn't get to watch this one. We we missed it due uh, to... I to watch the replay. Exactly, but we didn't miss much. I mean, you could pretty much watch the whole match on double speed, and you really didn't feel like you were missing out on anything.
0: No, and truth of the matter is the most disappointing thing about this game other than it being a nil-nil draw is we didn't get to see Anthony Martial and Timo Werner face off against one another. You would have thought that the two goal-scoring threats on either side, both very promising young talents, would have hoped for a spectacle, but neither of them were in the 11. No, and so
1: it was kind of, like I said, a kind of uneventful Pretty, I don't want to say boring, but... Mundane almost? Boring might be the right word for it. Either way, it's one I'm kind of glad that I missed. Both teams will look to rebound. Both teams playing in Europe right now. I know they have a lot on their plate, but... And I almost feel like both managers were playing timidly. They were more playing afraid to lose than they were trying to win. And it comes back to bite you, especially with two teams that really need the points right now. I mean, United, if they want any chance of winning the title... Could have needed the win, or you don't say needed this with as many games left as there are, but with that almost four match lead and the form they're in. Exactly. You need those points. And then Chelsea still on the outside looking in when it comes to European football. I think maybe they're a little bit confident. The two teams that separate them from the two Manchester clubs are West Ham and Leicester, which no disrespect to either of those teams, but they are both teams that. Had aren't year in year out European players, and so maybe Chelsea feels confident that one of them will likely slip up. But again, you kind of need to go get those points. We did see a couple other matches though of note. The Spurs seemed to finally shake in their scoring woes as they were able to rattle off four goals against Burnley, which is a pretty decent defensive side. I mean, I know this year they've been struggling a little bit more than in well, I mean maybe not. I guess you could say this is a big step up, but in general, it's not a big major side there in Burnley. But 4-0 is a pretty big pretty big scoreline for a Spurs team that has not been finding the back of the net too frequently.
0: No, I mean, they 13 of their goals have come off the play of Harry Kane and Hangman's son and that's most of their goals but in this one they got to spread the love a little bit. Gareth Bale getting a brace and Lucas Moura also scoring one. I mean they got the ball around a little bit more. This might have saved Jose Mourinho's job. I think that at least at the at the moment.
1: Yeah we'll see. I think it's going to depend on how they finish out the season where they round things out. There's a lot of games to be played yet, and right now they're still on the lower side. You know what I mean? They've been... They're now on the outside looking in. They're in eighth place. They're going to have to do a lot of work to get back into the top four, get back into European contention, and I just don't know if I see that happening. With the form they've been in. They're going to need to start doing this week in and week out.
0: Yeah, jobs are depending on it. Speaking of jobs depending on it, Arsenal's now back into 10th place in the top half of the table after they upset Leicester City, who's in third place right now with a 3-1 victory.
1: That's a huge win for them, especially with Leicester sitting inside the top four. A huge upset, and I know it's crazy to think of Arsenal as being a major upset. They're a big six club. They should be competitive in every match. But they're sitting in 10th place right now after that victory. Before that, they were down in 13th. This is a big six club with major, major, major money going into their payroll. It's astonishing that they are struggling the way that they are. And shocking that Mikel Arteta has a job still, considering Frank Lampard was sacked.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's the loyalty that the Gunners extend to their managers or, or what, but it seems like they are keen on sticking it out with what early success they had with Arteta. I'm not sure what they're basing their loyalty on, but they seem to value it, and they're sticking with them.
1: Absolutely. But we can move on to some of the other leagues that were in action this past weekend, and there were some great matches in your favorite league, the Bundesliga.
0: Absolutely, and we got to kick it off early this weekend with Bremen Bremen, upsetting Frankfurt 2-1 to one with the American, Josh Sargent, getting the game-winner in that one. Both plays by Bremen on goal were absolutely perfectly timed on sides, getting right past the backline goals, and it was very impressive to see against the Frankfurt side that was rolling with Jovic being back and also uh, their own goal scorer Silva being near one of the top three in the Bundesliga so far this season.
1: Yeah, you've got to be impressed with their play in general. The Bundesliga this season has been a ton of fun to watch, and maybe it's just because Bayern has been a little bit less dominant. They have been dropping some points. Maybe it's because of the young talent that is just woefully abundant in the bundesliga all over the table and obviously we love to see the home country the united states influence that it feels like just for the last decade more than just about anywhere has been given a chance to thrive in europe
0: yeah there's been you know the connection we've talked about that's now growing with mls clubs and these german sides it's a it's an improved relationship and it's, it's Proving dividends for these clubs, getting results. Speaking of results, Bayern gets another one with just a 5-1 thrashing of Köln. Köln really not in this one much at all. Bayern just dominated, and uh, they have a tendency to do that. But Dortmund, on the other hand, got a very dominant, abnormally dominant victory against Armenia, with Armenia really only getting two dangerous goal-scoring chances, and Marcel Hintz just... Shutting them down both times. And Dortmund gets Dortmund gets the 3-0 victory.
1: Yeah, Dortmund just looked like a team that, from the starting whistle, was going to come out and win this game. And we got to watch quite a bit of that one. And really, it was a ton of fun. Yes. I mean, Erling Holland in full effect. Jaden Sancho looking incredible. It's when you see Dortmund do things like that that it almost kind of makes you wonder how... They go through the struggles that they do where they just can't score and they can't get out of their own way. But right now it seems like they've turned a corner. It seems like they're playing with a lot more of that flair, a lot more of that chemistry that they were lacking during that dry spell. And hopefully this sticks with them and they can kind of turn it into something on both sides. I mean, they had the big impressive victory in the Champions League. And we hope that they can also kind of do the same thing in... The domestic league is. The
0: Bundesliga. Well, it's going to be tough to do, though, because all these clubs at the top of the table are performing remarkably well. Wolfsburg gets the 2 0 victory against Hertha, and this culminates in a 10 game unbeaten streak for Wolfsburg. At this point, they're really trying to anchor their place at the top of the table, and I mean, they have a double digit lead on teams in sixth place and lower. We'll mention all of them. And Red Bull Leipzig, again, another team at the top of the table. These guys are just two points behind Bayern for the lead in points at 50 points. Getting a 3-2 victory against Borussia Maglapak, a side that was playing in the Champions League this year. It is a dynamic season in the Bundesliga this year and we'll be continuing to keep an eye on it. But a league I know you like to keep your eye on. Oh, yeah. The Serie A.
1: Well, it has been an incredible Serie A season so far. And I don't just say that because Juventus is not in first place. And you know me, I like to root against the, you know, the dynasties. I like to root for parity. Unless it's my team. I like my team to win. But yeah. I've never had a team I root for be a dynasty. So it's nice to see some fresh blood up at the top of the table. And right now we see that with. Both Milan sides playing in incredible form.
0: Absolutely. Sitting 1-2 on the table.
1: A couple of big score lines was Inter going out, getting that 3-0 victory. Huge victory against Genoa. They continue to just run train on most of their opponents. Romelu Lukaku looking like he's right now the best player in that league, which is impressive anytime that you're in a league with Cristiano Ronaldo and he's not the most impressive
0: player I mean, that season. Ronaldo does have one goal on him so far this season, but who's in first place? Exactly. I'm saying right now, Lukaku looks like the better player.
1: But other than that, we had the other Milan side in action as well. AC Milan notching a 2-1 victory over Roma, a side that has been playing really well of late. A big win for the side, keeping pace with Inter, who managed to snag first place last week. But those weren't the only matches this week. We saw Juventus drop points. So where we they'd be hoping to be recuperating, catching up, getting some of those points back, the opposite is happening. They managed to drop points in a pretty uninspiring showing, a
0: 1-1 draw against Hellas Verona.
1: It just they they couldn't get anything going and it showed.
0: Yeah, no, they struggle uh very often. It seems like Pirlo has a team that's not built around Cristiano Ronaldo, and when you have Cristiano Ronaldo, that tends to be a problem.
1: Yeah, it just seems like they're having a hard time channeling the team through Cristiano, getting those goals. There seems like they're lacking creativity, especially out of those secondary pieces, and I don't know how this turns around, or if it turns around, you know, for the first time it might look like we may have a champion other than Juventus, and you got to wonder does that put a big black mark on Ronaldo's record? You know, obviously one of the greatest of all time, impeccable player, but if you if you join a team that has been doing nothing but winning for much of the last decade and suddenly you're not winning, that's that's not good.
0: No, it doesn't it doesn't bode well being the problem piece, but he's Cristiano Ronaldo, he might figure out how to win a competition because he's won a lot of them in his career so far. Can't quite rule them out yet, but it is, it's getting more and more dire for him.
1: Well, one of the other top-of-the-table teams in action, Lazio dropped points in a pretty surprising result, 2-0 loss against Bologna. Surprising from a team that just a few weeks ago was one of the hottest in the league. Now, not as much.
0: Now, dropping out of the top six even. It's been a little bit of a fall for him. And uh, it's it's not like that Bologna side is, you know, charging up the table either. They're pretty much a mid-table side and don't have the current form to keep moving up in the table. But we can move over to Spain and check out La Liga where we're seeing a little bit of a continuing rebound for Barcelona as Messi picks on his favorite target, Sevilla. For the 2-0 victory.
1: Yeah, Barcelona this season hasn't been able to figure anything out, it seems like. It was as if they got everything together again. They stormed up the table from their embarrassing start. But just the last couple weeks, the pieces seem to be slipping away once again. And I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it, especially with all these legal issues coming in now. They were raided this past week as their former president was arrested on charges related to the Barca gate where they were systematically like smearing players online in an attempt to maybe save money on wages or there are all sorts of different things going on. Really ugly that I know they've been had issues with evading taxes in the past or not honestly reporting player wages. So yeah, lots of issues coming out of Barcelona. Could we be seeing the end of the empire? Possibly, I mean the brand might be too big to fail in general, but yeah, really they've been doing almost everything they could can to run this incorrectly.
0: Yeah, but I mean, fans hate front offices forever. I mean, the Senators are still a team, so like we can't we can't really think it's going to completely collapse. But yeah, it does not look well. Elsewhere, Atletico Madrid start to write the ship after consecutive losses both in the league and in the European leagues, right the ship with a 2-0 victory against Villarreal. Is this enough to help maintain them at the top of the table? Maybe.
1: Again, I think they're gonna. it's going to be them poking off the other guys. I think it's going to be more about the other teams and if they're able to play well, because Atletico will drop some points, but you're seeing, like today, Real dropping points against Sociedad. I know Sociedad's a good team, but if Real's trying to actually take this title from Atletico, these are the games they need to win. Especially a, a low-scoring affair like that, they should have been able to get it done. I mean, they, they managed, they've just barely salvaged the one point with a goal in the last closing minutes of that game. You need more out of that if you're going to catch them. So just right now, I'd say yes, it's going to be enough for Atletico to hold on because It doesn't seem like anybody on the other two clubs, whether it be Barcelona or Madrid, are hungry enough to come up and get it.
0: Well, we do have a couple of other headlines from the world of football, and one of them tickled my fancy this week. It was Adama Traore attributing his slippery nature to wearing baby oil on his arms so defenders can't grab him. This was after a shoulder injury injury he received in a game was caused by a defender grabbing his arm. He started coating his arms in baby oil during the games, and since nobody has grabbed him, he has had none of those shoulder issues.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff there. Not necessarily that surprising. I get why defenders would want to be grab a hold of him, but weird things to be talking about, lathering yourself up with baby oil before games.
0: Hey, I don't understand why more wingers wouldn't do it. I think I think a lot of top players, especially attacking players, who use their pace. Yeah, I I hear you. If I was was in high school even,
1: I'd be like, I'm covering myself in baby oil. You were covering yourself in baby oil all during high school anyway, but
0: for different reasons. Yeah, but I, I would have a good excuse this time.
1: Elsewhere, we saw Angelino taking the rare swipe at manager Pep Guardiola, saying that the manager doesn't give players confidence, doesn't inspire confidence in the locker room and you know pretty surprising there's a guy who seems to be universally praised I mean I know occasionally there tends to be the personal head-to-head clashes but this kind of seems to be a swipe at his managerial style which I think is maybe now's not the time to be taking swipes at Pep's managerial style when City's sitting 12 points up in the league but
0: yeah and I mean if Angelino was the best left back in his league I could maybe understand him coming out and saying this, but he's not the best left back in his league. No, not even close. No, I mean, Alfonso Davis was a much more complete product at the moment. So I think maybe it's justified. He did only get to play two preseason games before never playing on the pitch again in Man City. Is that a little bit harsh? Yes, but maybe Pep just knew it wasn't going to work. It's weird that the two Spanish nationals couldn't come to see eye-to-eye
1: yeah, it's an interesting scenario there, but we see this happen a lot. Guys who are talented and even find success elsewhere have their little riffs or can't crack the first team with a particular manager. I mean, even just on a, like with my team, Marcus Alonso wasn't even sniffing the pitch with Frank Lampard in charge. He hasn't missed a game since Tuchel took over. So there's ebbs and flows with that kind of thing. It's, you know... It seems as though is making it personal with Pep, but at the same time, it might have been personal in the first place. So, an interesting thing to keep an eye on.
0: He was mad he was stealing
1: the bald look. Yeah, who knows? Bald Spaniard, he's, he's got that lockdown.
0: down. Yeah, he, he might not want to share that reputation.
1: But elsewhere, David Alaba on Bayern Munich confirms that he will leave on a free transfer this summer, but could be anywhere in the Premier League or Real Madrid. It's still up in the air where he may end up.
0: Yeah, apparently Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City all have offers available for David Alaba, the Austrian center back, left back, defensive midfielder. Yeah, just defensive player. Uh, Right now, his trade value is at about... It's an estimation, but they say about $55 million. It's pretty
1: crazy that Byron is just going to let him walk out the door. It's going to be a pretty big signing yeah. for
0: whoever lands him. Probably the biggest uh, free transfer since, I don't know, like Robert Lewandowski or something. I don't remember if he did that. It's
1: pretty crazy when you see that happen. Uh, wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo a free transfer? Was he a free transfer? transfer? I think he might have been. He might have been. We tend to see it once in a while, but it's not too often. And Ronaldo, again, latter stage of his career, you know, Zlatan, free transfer, latter stage of his career. This is somebody who's still, I mean, he's been around for a while, but he's still got quite a few years left in the tank.
0: Yeah, there's tread on those tires.
1: Should be a really big signing out of the Bundesliga. Another... Player who we could really keep an eye on this summer as being a big signing out of the Bundesliga is Jaden Sancho.
0: Yeah, yeah, he starts playing a little bit better and then all of a sudden it's just nothing but transfer rumors. But more than likely, we're going to see Jaden Sancho move on this summer, but he's doing so as a record holder.
1: Yeah, he has put together an incredible resume in the Bundesliga and he becomes the youngest in the Bundesliga to hit 50 assists doing so. Also in less than 100 games, which is really impressive. You know, this kid has tons of accolades thrown on him, but it seems at least as of right now, they're all deserved. Really curious to see what he's able to do. Assuming he does make the jump over to the Premier League, I'm curious to see how he handles that and
0: how he looks. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Also, changing his uniform, Quincy Proms is going back to Russia, Spartak Moscow. I don't know whether or not those charges he had have been cleared up, but he's moving on out.
1: Well, maybe that's a reason to go to Russia. But we're going to pop on over to this side of the pond and talk about some MLS news coming our way. Orlando City has terminated its, sci- or its contract with Jonathan Suarez after yeah. he was charged with sexual battery along with his brother. He was acquired this offseason, but that was a ill-advised acquisition.
0: Yeah, that did not pan out well for either the team or the 24-year-old defender. But a defender signing that we are very excited about.
1: Yes, the Philadelphia Union making a move to sign center back, left back, Stuart Finley from Scottish side Kilmarnock FC, which Kilmarnock is a side that has a special spot in my heart. Mine as well. Big fan of theirs. Uh, I honestly started becoming a fan of theirs because of FIFA. I thought they had a pretty pretty funny, pretty amusing badge and made it mine. And that was something that has now stuck with me for almost, what, eight, nine years. And as a result, started following a little bit, used them in all of my career modes. Whenever I create a player, he plays on Kilmarnock. So a team I, I like a bit. And so when I saw Stuart Finley coming over from Kilmarnock, got super excited. Kind of the intersection of two of my favorite teams, Kilmernock, Philadelphia Union. I'm looking forward to it. So. And the
0: Scottish defender, I mean, he's a Celtic Academy player. He's got promising speed and a defensive mind to go with it. So yeah, I think Siding, he'll look really good. In he's going. I think he's going to look great in the MLS. I think he's the right type of physicality and speed and positioning that we're going to get a very nice, very nice deal out of this one.
1: Yep, yeah, but when a great player comes into a league, we see a great player depart a league. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, all time legendary player, French winger Thierry Henry, has announced he is resigning his position as manager of the Montreal Impact or what CF Montreal no, it's now Club they, de Foot. Yeah, they changed it to Club de Foot. Uh, as he is he cited COVID amongst other things, but... Well,
0: I, here's the thing. He has to be quarantined, and they're not going to be playing in Montreal.
1: Yes, and so a big appeal of this for him was being in the French-Canadian region, not being able to be in Montreal, all of the quarantining issues going on and going into this season. it just He just wasn't up for it.
0: Yeah, he, he just couldn't handle it anymore. And, I mean, he chose his family over the sport, and, I mean, man's got a family. Can you blame him? I don't think anybody can blame him for that one. No.
1: But we have a bit of a red flag coming up for the league. Potential expansion side Sacramento FC is now in doubt. Its future no longer certain. It's coming
0: off the heels of Ron Burkle is pulling out, and he was the lead investor when they were set to join in 2022. Yeah, so...
1: Looking to debut next season now. Don't know where that major money is going to be coming from. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to keep an eye on it. The mayor, Daryl Steinberg, is continuing to push, continuing to seek new investors to maybe step in and fill that void. Because apparently, I mean, the stadium's been approved. All the infrastructure and plans are in place. I mean, there's even obviously whenever a stadium's built... There's usually other stores, maybe other buildings and structures developed to accommodate it.
0: Yeah, it's good for an economy of the area over time.
1: Exactly. So these are, pl- I'm sure a lot of the plan is already in motion. I mean, if they were set to debut next yeah, year. I mean,
0: they have stadium plans approved. They have the all the infrastructure for their, the surrounding area approved already. That's a process where you can just jump right in. So... Hopefully a hungry investor is going to come along and look to maybe acquire a soccer side. could be fun.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to make our way over to the NBA, and it seems like a perfect transition point because talking about needing some investors to step up for the MLS, it seems like some people have no problem throwing their money around right now in the NBA, at least in the collector's field. And Luka Doncic rookie card sold for a whopping $4.6 million this week. Unbelievable. Crazy values we're seeing on all sorts of these cards. I mean, this on the heels, too, of the big explosion of NBA Top Shot, which is the digital trading card platform that's been picking up a ton of steam. It's going to be really interesting to see where all this goes and it's crazy to see how much money there is in this growing field or industry or whatever you want to call it of sports collectibles.
0: Yeah, sports antiques, it's becoming a uh, an actual investment strategy. And looking at investment strategies now, it's going to be Joaquin Noah as he officially retires from the NBA. He last played in 2019 for the Clippers before tearing his Achilles
1: yeah, wishing a happy trails to him. Really a dominant defender in his heyday. I yeah. re- memories of him playing on those Chicago Bulls team alongside Derek Rose in the MVP
0: year. Yeah. I mean really an exciting player in it, his prime. And he's one of the he's one of those guys though where like I remember his transition from college. Like I remember when he was playing in Florida with the Gators and had that run with them as well.
1: Well, that was the year that they won the football and the basketball national championships, right? There was Tim Tebow Mm -hmm. on the Gators as well. Yeah, he's been a fun player to watch. Really dominant on the boards, offensively and defensively. Yeah, and so a real dog on
0: defense, too. Yeah, so
1: we wish him well. It's a shame that his career ends with that gruesome Achilles
0: injury. Yeah, but he will get to retire with the Bulls, so. Good for him. Good for him.
1: Unfortunately, not for the good for the Bulls though, is this week they had one of their matches postponed as they were supposed to play against the Toronto Raptors, but the Raptors become the latest of many NBA teams to suffer a COVID-19 outbreak. As a result, their games this weekend or the rest of this week will be postponed as we get ready to break for the All-Star game this upcoming weekend, which again craziness with the All-Star game coming up and COVID still running relatively unchecked throughout the NBA locker rooms.
0: Yeah, it's uh, It's a little bit wild to see. But, but what's speaking running, of coronavirus... Yeah, I guess we, we can talk about it now. Jeremy Lin, in his press conference, talked about being called coronavirus on the floor In the G League, this is coming off the heels of many reports of Asian American citizens facing brutal assaults and beatings and random thuggery against them.
1: Yeah, really upsetting stuff. You know, trash talk in the NBA is obviously very different than physical threats, but in general, the cultural animosity and racism Yeah. That is taking place against Asian communities for this unfortunate virus outbreak has no place in society and especially no place in the NBA or NBA G League in this particular case. So,
0: yeah, I mean, this is embarrassing and like weird and like it's trash talk. So it's like it's supposed to be like jabbing at each other and like I get it, but also. I don't know. I, I it, it this is such a conflicting story because I no cause like,
1: if if Jeremy Lin were to be start making comments about the African heritage of any of the NBA players, he would be out of the league and canceled. Yeah, before
0: like, you knew it. Well, I don't even know it, that. I mean, I don't know if he makes it off the floor if he's doing that. But like, it's yeah. I mean, it's something where it has to be taken seriously because you have to uphold the standard that you want to see kept. Exactly. So that is that story. Do you remember?
1: This is unrelated. We're we're branching off off script here. But do you remember when? Oh, who was it? Got in some trouble because they called Luka Doncic white boy. I I mean, and and it like they said something like oh something ass white boy or something like that, and they the league like took it up with like the like racial harassment thing it was i don't know i i'm I'm not trying to make any point one way or another i just yeah that reminded me of that issue and i remember that being really funny because like luca when he asked about it started laughing yeah i mean
0: like obviously it depends on it's very much circumstance so like if it gets caught and picked up it's one thing if it's something where it's said on the court that's a little bit of another thing but still that being said at all has to be upheld to the standard of the NBA and, by association, the G League. Someone who's not upholding the conduct of an NBA player is Malik Beasley. He's getting hit with a suspension of 12 games after he pled guilty of making violent threats and is facing 120 days in jail after the season ends for his violent threats.
1: Yeah, this is something that's pretty crazy. You don't normally see those kinds of things happening. But you always have to wonder what the mental status and well-being is of an individual in this kind of scenario. So you want him to be held accountable, but you also want to make sure that he is okay, first and foremost. Beyond being basketball players, these are human beings. Yeah. So, there needs to be accountability. But also, when people are doing things like this, and remember Delonte West in the situation he's in, we see a lot of professional athletes be in very disturbing headspaces. Oh, Simpson. Yeah, and it it can be it can be upsetting. And so these kinds of red flags, these kinds of in- incidents,
0: you know, need to be taken seriously. Yeah. No. It- It needs to be addressed. Well, another one in the record books is Buddy Heald. He's the fastest to make 1,000 three-point shots, and he's doing it in Sacramento.
1: Yeah, really an impressive shooter, Buddy Heald. Really good at what he does. He's impressive from the free-throw line, impressive from the three-point line. Kind of that bona fide all-star or superstar, you know, the type of player where still don't know if he can fit that role, still don't know if he would be your number one or even your 1A but really an, a, a solid catch-and-shoot, solid perimeter guy, can catch fire any given night. I mean, it kind of reminds me almost like, not in play style, but the, the same level of star as, like, Andre Iguodala was or Drew Holiday when they were both with the Sixers. And they were the number one guy on the team, yeah, but were they number one guy on a playoff-caliber or championship-caliber team? No, not really. And so that's what Buddy Hill feels like and. When they go to a team where they are just a piece, not the piece, it seems almost as if their opportunities are endless. A lot of those guys end up going around. I mean, it's the Chris Bosh. It's the... There's a ton of them. Yeah. Where suddenly, if they're not the guy, the entire their entire arsenal becomes available. And so Buddy Healed, curious to see if he stays in Sacramento. I know he did get some big money there, but... With them seeming to perpetually be in rebuild mode, you wonder if he's going to make his way to another team in the way that NBA stars just get to do these days.
0: Yeah, get to make their choice and where they play. But you don't always get to pick where you're coaching, and that's the case for Lloyd Pierce after he was ousted by the Atlanta Hawks today.
1: Yeah, pretty short reign for Pierce, only two seasons in charge at the helm there but with trey young with some of the talent they've brought in like clint capella some of the other guys there they wanted more results they wanted more out of what they had and they weren't getting it so it was time to make changes
0: absolutely so why don't we change up the subject and we move over to the nhl where really the biggest story of the past week was claude julian was fired by the montreal canadians after losing a game in overtime
1: I have no doubt if he wants it, he'll have another job before he knows it. Claude Julien at this point feels just like a staple of the NHL. You never know where he's going to be every few years as the scene changes, but nonetheless, there he is on somebody's bench calling the shots. He's a pro's pro. I mean, he's goofy, he's quirky, but what NHL coach isn't? It seems almost since Mike Milbury being quirky and a personality has for the most part been a requirement of the job for a lot of these NHL head coaches. So, you know, shame to see him leave Montreal, I guess. But I imagine this is not the last we're seeing of Claude Julien in any capacity.
0: Uh, He'll pop up elsewhere.
1: But something that we may have seen the last of just after it begun. This week, Las Vegas Golden Knights had a sponsorship that lasted, I don't know, about the length of a shooting star going across the sky. Yeah. They became the first professional sports franchise in North America to have signed a formal sponsorship deal with a sports book, only to, within a matter of moments, it seemed, backpedal on it and end said partnership.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a conflict of interest to directly tie money going to you by the money used to gamble on sports. I mean, I get it, though. They're Vegas They're a town of gambling. If there's one place that could pull it off, it would have been either them or... I guess you can gamble on sports in a lot of states now. But yeah, this was a weird one. It just seemed like it was doomed to fail from the start. It seemed like it was going to leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth, which it did very quickly. And it was spat out within two days.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where even if it's a little bit... Given a little bit more time, I know that sounds really goofy. But remember... This is something that was federally illegal until very recently. Still, more states do not allow sports betting than do allow sports betting. When you realize that each of these leagues are made up of many parts, you know, 30 teams, 32 teams, 31 teams, it's a little bit of a sticky situation when something when, when a team is going to be running advertisements, have stadium signage, all that kind of stuff... For something that is still illegal to a large portion of the audience base watching said sport. So I think once gambling becomes a little bit more normalized, a little bit more accepted, we'll see it a lot more. I mean, look throughout Europe at all of the soccer teams. How many of them have Unibet, William Hill... You name it, yeah. As, some kind of sports sponsor. Book a, yeah. We're seeing oh one eight hundred bet you know, bet
0: dot bet three six five bet
1: three six five all over every stadium. It, it's I mean they go hand in hand as we're seeing. You can't flip on the TV right now without DraftKings. seeing DraftKings or FanDuel or BetMGM or you name it. Yeah, flying into your commercial breaks so the fact that we're arbitrarily drawing the line and being like oh well every single commercial you could be carpet bombed with sports betting ads but oh no 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 we don't want the team to have signage up like it's just because it's new it's just because it's still a little taboo give it five years give it 10 years maybe and i imagine every single team in every single league is going to have an official sports book
0: yeah it's an inevitability Speaking of inevitabilities. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Patrick Kane hits 400 <laughs> goals. <laughs> I was
1: going to say that Todd Vertuzzi was arrested on suspicion of DUI this week, but yeah, I guess Patrick Kane hitting 400 goals was a little bit more of an inevitability given how his career has started off.
0: Yeah, being the 100th player to do so, he hits his 400th goal. One of the best Americans of all time. Todd Bertuzzi, not the best driver of all time.
1: (laughs) Nor one of the best Americans of all time. Is he American? I I, think he's American.
0: He might be. (laughs) He's
1: got some American quality for for sure.
0: Oh, he's Canadian. Yeah, well, Uh. depends on the province. All right, well, let's move it over to our oddball segment. And with a little bit more of a somber touch, the players at the WGC workday tournament wear red on Sunday in solidarity with in solidarity with Tiger Woods after his dramatic car accident and subsequent injuries.
1: Yeah, something really cool to see. Tiger's influence and impact on the game is really it needs no
0: Yeah, I mean the video games, the just the numbers of people tuning in to just watch. I mean, so many people don't watch golf. They watch Tiger Woods play.
1: Exactly. So it was cool to see the sport give him the respect and the recognition and support that he needs right now. And hopefully, as we said last week when we broke, well, we didn't break the story, but, you know, when we talked about it the first time, we hope he has a speedy recovery. We hope we wish him well and... Hopefully, we'll be lucky enough to see him compete some sometime again, but understanding that there are way more important bridges that need to be crossed between now and then.
0: Yes, and Colin Morikawa wins at minus 18, 24 years old. Congrats on the tournament win. Someone who did not win was Spencer Jones, the Oklahoma wide receiver. Got beat up in a bathroom at a bar by... Just some kid and his brother who practiced mixed martial arts for 12 years.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. You never like to see people getting beat up in bar fights or in yeah. general, especially.
0: Which, and the video went viral because, of course, it did because it's a bar fight that features somebody who, you know, is on TV sometimes. But I think Michael Bisping, UFC former contender and... uh aspiring commentator said it best when he said everybody involved in this needs to grow the fuck up
1: yeah i don't think there's any denying that i mean fighting at a bar assaulting other people in public over anything really is extremely immature extremely unintelligent yeah just dangerous and and barbaric yeah it's there you know there's nothing that good to be said about it yeah, it's just it's shameful. Putting, it's putting livelihoods at risk. It's putting lives at risk. It's putting reputations at risk for what? Uh, flex win, of testosterone? Yeah, to like? win an
0: argument, kind of. But, but
1: either way, beyond that, in the fights that actually do matter. Yeah, the fights. That ones that we can get behind.
0: Yeah, the fights that are organized and, and contests of people who are good at fighting. UFC 259 is this weekend, and man, top of the card is... Sweet, this time.
1: Yeah, we have some really, really great matchups to look forward to. Jan Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya is really one that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Adesanya's got just an unbelievable record in the UFC, and the things twenty and oh Yeah, the things that they can do in the octagon are I mean, just scary. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the things that all fighters can do, but the way that he, I mean, they call him Stylebender for a reason. He just throws quite literally everything in the kitchen sink at his opponents. But Jan Blachowicz is a legitimate puncher, man, and he's got some meat in those mittens. So it's going to, it should be a really, really good fight. Yeah,
1: another fight to look forward to is the Lioness, Amanda Nunez, back in the octagon once again. Against Megan Anderson, and you got to wonder, is anybody going to beat Nunez? I mean, it just seems like she doesn't lose. Yeah. She doesn't lose. No. And so I'm expecting, my pick is at least, that she continues her reign as the queen of that division. But you never know. We see upsets all the time. One punch, one hit, one false move can change everything, can turn everything on its head. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the match I'm looking most forward to this weekend...
0: Oh boy. ...is
1: Peter Yan versus Al Sterling. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Al Sterling, just what a beast. He's just a physical specimen that, uh, gosh, I would never dare get in the way of. And then you have one of the all-time greats of the UFC, Peter Yan, on the other side.
0: He's just still so fast.
1: Still so fast, such a good striker. Again, talk about one-punch power. I mean, the type of guy who, in a moment's notice, can turn the tide of a fight with just <laughs> swift move of an arm. So we have great matchups, great fights this weekend. I'm looking forward to all three of these ones, and some decent stuff in the undercard that we didn't even bring up.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, we can't go into all of it, but, yeah, it's going to be a great lineup. The whole ticket's going to be very exciting, and I, for one, am looking forward to it.
1: But we are going to make our way to Major League Baseball. And guess what? Spring training, it's in full effect.
0: Yeah, we got some Grapefruit League action going on right now. And we're seeing a rule change have a positive impact on baseball. Who would have thought?
1: And I got to tell you, you know, I hear your sarcasm there. And while I can appreciate it because when does baseball ever do anything right, I'll say I think they handled the pandemic pretty decently. I actually enjoyed the shortened season. I enjoyed also all of the rule changes they made for the shortened season. I liked both leagues having the designated hitter. I liked starting a runner on second base in extra innings, and I enjoyed the seven-inning doubleheaders as well. So you know what? I'll cut them a little slack. I think they're doing a little bit better than a lot of the NFL rule changes where it just seems like every year, any time the NFL changes a rule... No one can get it right. No one gets it right. Nobody likes it. Nobody supports it. But yes, the MLB had a new rule come into play this spring training. Strictly a spring training rule. Don't worry, guys. We're not getting shorter games in general, I know. I know you were afraid. (laughs) But now, in spring training, a manager has the ability to just basically mercy rule an inning if that pitcher has thrown more than 20 pitches. The reason this is significant is in the past when a player might be getting frazzled, letting up run after, run after run after run after run. You kind of have to pull that pitcher, put in a new one. It's the end of his day, and you don't really get to see much more out of that guy. Could really take a chunk out of his confidence. Yeah. Could take a chunk out of his chances of landing on your roster.
0: And it throws him off of his chances to get you know, full-speed pitches. Exactly. Well, With this, you can pull him
1: out, give him a chance to regroup, and we saw it already showing why, showing its value. I mean, we we saw a pitcher j- just yesterday lets up like seven or eight runs to start the game. They call the mercy rule. They say, you know what? We're going to go back. We want to we go up to bat. They bring the guy out for the second inning. He mows down three batters, two of which were strikeouts, and suddenly he gets that groove back, gets that confidence back, and has a pretty solid outing beyond that first inning. Now, obviously, if it's a regular game, he's getting the hook. He's coming back, but... If you had just cut him off there, if you had not seen what else he could do, it could have, honestly, it could have had a potentially career-altering impact on this player. I mean, you might just decide then you're not going to bring him up at all this season because he didn't actually show his stuff. He didn't show that ability to recover, to recuperate, to cool and calm his head. So I like this rule change, especially for the preseason. I mean, obviously, incorporating it into the regular season would be asinine. There would be no place for it in competitive games. But during a time that's really meant for roster shaping, player development, and kind of getting a feel of what you had, or and showing it off for scouts of other teams, I think this rule is great.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think really the player development aspect is what's most important. I think it's what baseball is going to be suffering the most from, especially as we see these minor leagues dry up a bit. But returning to baseball just four months after a gruesome stabbing injury... Tommy Pham in line to start for the Padres.
1: Yeah, an exciting thing for him, the ex-Tampa Bay Rays player. Kind of an, I was going to say a cornerstone of that Padres team, but with all the changes they've made, it's almost like he's just a side character at this point. But either way, big, 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 big congratulations to Tommy Pham. You know, scary, stabbings are scary no matter what, but, you know, professional athlete, Dealing with a stabbing can put your whole career at risk. Obviously, aside from just your life being at risk, Mm -hmm. can put your whole career at risk. And so it's good to see him come back. He's in line to start for opening day for a Padres team that is looking like they're going to be pretty good this year.
0: Yep. so the uh, preliminary over-under win totals are out, and we see the Dodgers in the headline spot.
1: Yeah, the Dodgers are the highest team of not just this year, but actually ever, at least since they started tracking these Vegas over-unders and projecting that as a, you know, preseason bet line. 103.5 wins projected for the Dodgers. A huge win total, but honestly one I wouldn't be shocked to see them hit.
0: No, it's not out of the realm of possibility, so I guess... Those odds makers must be doing something right. We also see them joined by the Yankees with 97 and the Padres, the aforementioned Padres, at 93 and a half.
1: Yeah, the top three teams, according to that, over, under, win projections. And really, they are I don't want to say the three teams you'd expect because maybe not. But again, with the transactions going on this offseason, with the roster moves... I think this would be at the top of most people's list. The Dodgers, defending champions, bringing back almost all of their lineup from before and adding some major pieces. And then you look and on the other side of that, the Padres doing the same type of thing, adding major major pieces this offseason, improving their rotation, improving their lineup from top to bottom and improving the bullpen. And then I'll also, you know, the Yankees just always dominant with that massive payroll and star power. It's going to be an exciting season this season, and I think that that Dodgers-Padres race in the NL West is going to be arguably the most exciting part of it.
0: Well, as Phillies fans, do we have much to be excited about? Well, I think we have
1: exactly as much to be excited about as everybody would think, which is, Eh. Yeah. The Phillies are currently projected as the 16th Highest win total in the majors at 81.5. Yes, 16th out of 30, about as close to middle of the road, 500 eh, as you can get. And that's in line with the win total as well. 81.5 wins, about as close to 500 baseball as you could possibly be projected. You know, I'm optimistic this team is able to turn a corner and maybe take a little bit of a step forward. We have Bryce Harper. We have Real Uto. We brought in those guys to be foundation pieces. I'd like to see them start actually being the foundation for us to build around. But at the same time, with how tightly John Middleton's clenching those pockets, and the inability or unwillingness to really break the bank to take us to that next level, I just don't see any way where we're going to be catching the other teams like those Dodgers like those Padres, but I tell you, it's not just the Dodgers and Padres that we're looking up at. We have to get out of the division. Exactly, and right now the Braves and the Mets are both also sitting in the top ten in the majors as far as this projected win total. The Braves are fourth projected at ninety one and a half wins, and the Mets are sixth projected at sixty or sorry at ninety wins. And both of those teams again making improvements. I mean, the Mets with that Cohen money coming in, having all sorts of financial flexibility and adding to their at, their, at their disposal. Exactly. And so I tell you, I'm not that excited as a Phillies fan. I'm excited, honestly, as I've been getting more into baseball and following it more and more, really excited for this season. Not all that excited for what this Phillies teams going to look like.
0: Well, one thing that was definitely exciting to see was Orioles, player Trey Mancini gets a standing ovation from both dugouts in his first at-bat after missing all of last season with colon cancer.
1: Yeah, a really awesome moment to see. I mean, especially for an Orioles team that usually doesn't have too much to look forward to. Mancini, a great clubhouse guy, locker room guy. Great to see him back. Obviously, a fight with cancer is always scary. Colon cancer, a big issue with men in that age demographic. And so good to see him back, not only fighting his fight, but fighting for his team out on the diamond as well.
0: Yeah, getting a single off that at-bat. Congrats. But we
1: are going to make our way to the NFL. And really, despite the fact that we're about as middle of the off season as you can get, well, maybe not middle, but, you know, we're still getting the dominant headlines. Out of the NFL. Two of the biggest stars in the league, making a lot of noise this week. And so as it happens, both these storylines have to do with the NFC West. Yeah. Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Super Bowl winner. I mean, again, we talk about cornerstones of franchises.
0: So does he? Did he win Walter Payton? Not sure. Not sure.
1: But either way, I mean, really one of the faces of the league for the last decade is really making a lot of noise out there in Seattle. Looking like he might start to force his
0: way out the door. Yeah, he's setting his lack of involvement with the offense and some of the decisions being made. He, uh, he's looking possibly for a new opportunity, maybe because he was getting murdered last season by his offensive line. But, boy, this is not going to heal any of that relationship.
1: No, it's looking like things there are getting worse and worse by day, not better and better. You can imagine he's going to be an extremely hot commodity in what has already been a red hot quarterback market this offseason. That is, obviously, if the team concedes to his demands and agrees to shop him. But elsewhere in the NFC West, we see one of the biggest names on the other side of the football, inking a two-year contract. JJ Watt, the former Walter Payton Man of the Year, multiple time. Defensive player of the year. An absolute
0: just stud on yeah, the Yeah, just beast. I mean,
1: honestly, already future Hall of Famer. Yeah. I and mean, There's there's very few players that you can say that about. And even with his injury history of late, just dominant, tears up the stat sheet. Really starting to become one of the most dominant families in the league. J.J. Watt, two-year, $31 million. $23 million of the 31 is guaranteed. Ooh. And he reunites with his, or what? The defensive coordinator on the Cardinals was previously on that Texans defensive staff under Romeo Crennel, as well as and DeAndre Hopkins, biggest star, all the biggest star of that Texans team on the offensive side. I mean, maybe other
0: than Deshaun Watson, but yeah, but he might not still be there. Best
1: receiver in football, bet. So really big move. For that Arizona team, looks to continue building around Kyler Murray.
0: And another reason why Russell Wilson went out of Seattle. Exactly.
1: Elsewhere, Philadelphia Eagles have some quarterback rumors swirling around, and really they're ones in my mind, raise more questions than answers. Marcus Mariota, looking to potentially make his way out of Las Vegas, and the Eagles are considered one of the leading contenders to land his services. Gotta say, this move puzzles me. Can you make any sense of it?
0: Well, the only thing I've heard is that he's worked with both the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator before, and that's really the only smoke that's behind this little rumor mill. I don't see a reason why we would get Marcus Mariota. I think if we're not in the market for a absolutely finished piece, then we would be looking in the draft, or we would be looking at building a team around Jalen Hurts I, don't, I really don't know what this team is going to look like come October, let alone April. Yeah, I'm
1: right there too. I think they should be looking to bring in maybe a slightly older quarterback, somebody who's maybe a little bit less threatening. I know that sounds funny, but with a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you almost want to make sure that the guy mentoring him and maybe there would even be the sturdy backup is somebody who you know there will be zero clamoring for to be starter. And that's out of his camp. That's out of the fans of Philadelphia. That's out of the media. You want a guy who's not going to... Who's
0: good on the headset. Like Chase Daniel or
1: Matt Moore. Or even like right now, I'd be looking, you know, if Andy Dalton is going to leave Dallas, if Joe Flacco is going to leave the Jets, if one of those older players is willing to move... That's what you go for. Somebody who's not going to be chomping at the bit to take that job because Marcus Mariota still wants to start somewhere. Right. He still wants his shot. He was a number two overall pick who kind of feels he got gypped a little bit losing that job to Ryan Tannehill. And so I think that the organization will be making a big mistake. And I tell you, that's where this next name that comes in, I think, would be an interesting candidate because it appears as though the Washington football team are likely to release... AP Comeback Player of the Year, Alex Smith, who after, I mean, we don't need to go over his story again. After those leg injuries, never thought he was going to play again, comes back, ends up helping lead that Washington team to the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it was the best story in the NFL especially the
1: best in a very sad NFC East this season. So, again, would that be the type of player the Eagles consider taking a flyer on? If Alex Smith's ready to sit back and be a backup, which it seems like he has always been gracefully accepting of that role when it was thrust upon him, but especially now maybe he knows the odds of a team putting their faith in him as a full-time
0: starter is slim to none. Especially with that injury and, and how vulnerable it could make him. Well,
1: in his age, remember, he's been around forever. I mean, he got drafted, I want to say, back in 2005, 2006 Yeah. by the San Francisco 49ers. That's, played there
0: for a while, went to Kansas there City, time, played, played there, there for, a, for while. a while. Exactly, so, so yeah. we
1: wish him the best, obviously, leaving that Washington football team. and. It's probably for the best. Yeah, and, and again, that's the type of player I wouldn't be opposed to an Alex Smith on the headset, especially obviously not the same type of mobility as Jalen Hurts, but a pretty mobile quarterback in his own right. Absolutely. Great at reading defenses, mm-hmm. very careful with the football.
0: Got to work with some great quarterback coaches. Exactly. So that would be one to keep an eye on. And just in a little bit of sad news. A legend of the football world, Irv Cross, passes away at eighty-one.
1: Yeah, sad to see him go. He broke a lot of barriers. He joined CBS with NFL Today back in nineteen seventy-one. Was the first black color commentator on. It wasn't TV. color. He
0: was an analyst. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was. He did. Art he art. did do both. He was also a color commentator, but he was the first black analyst on on uh, on network programming.
1: Yep, and obviously had a, uh, I believe, two-time Pro Bowler. Two-time Pro with Bowler. The Philadelphia Eagles. Eighty-one also, years old.
0: Also played for the Rams. He had a he had a nine-year career.
1: Yeah, so trailblazer on and off the field, and he will be missed. Both organizations sending out their respects. The league sending out its respects. And yeah, an icon, an icon of the sport. Well, with that, I think it's that time of the week, time of the night, time of the day, whatever you want to call it. Or we take our ball and we go
0: home. It's time to hit the showers.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to the Balls Over the Top podcast. As always, you can find us on our socials at at B-O-T-T podcast on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: And this podcast is available everywhere podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you want to find us on a podcasting site, we're there. Yeah,
1: and if you could, if it's available depending on your platform, smash that like or subscribe or even just throw the link up. Share it with some friends. We really appreciate it, guys. We do. Th- thanks. Thanks.